It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Locked On Dolphins host Kyle Krabs. It's going to be the Friday episode of the show. It's Thursday night, just in front of Thursday Night Football, which means it is time for Power to the Pod. It's your show, your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it. Obviously, Dolphins in the headlines throughout the course of this week. Uh, So we're going to dig in here on this Friday episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs here on Locked on Dolphins Thursday night live stream on the YouTube channel. If you guys are tuning in, I see Shane, first time actually having time for a live stream. Great to see you. Great to see everybody who's here on the YouTube channel. Make sure you like this video, hit subscribe to the channel, have your push notifications on so you know when we go live. And if you're listening on Friday to the podcast feed, no shame in that either. We appreciate everybody who's tuning in here uh, as we continue to work our way through uh, a fascinating, challenging, um, unexpected 2020. One Miami Dolphins season. Uh, I don't think anybody expected us to be in the seats that we are in now. But that's why I'm so thankful to have the chance to talk to each and every one of you. So if you guys are in the comments uh, on the live stream, please make sure you drop your questions, your hot takes, uh, your topics of discussion that you want to talk about. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It is the unofficial community center of communities everywhere. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. So I have a bunch of iTunes reviews of the show that are dialed up. Uh, If you guys want to start dropping some questions in now, like I see this one from Wade, Uh, I'm going to tackle this one early. I'm going to tackle live stream questions. Uh, first today. And that thought process is I always get buried in the chat when I do the live questions first. Uh, So I want to make sure I get a couple of them right off the jump. So Wade's question, is Coach Flo possibly not a good coach for young players? No reason to not play some of the young guys to see how they develop. This is an interesting question. And I go back to 2019 and 2020. And the Dolphins had a lot of success with guys who had nothing to lose and everything to gain, right? You think about some of the UDFAs that came in, some of the career um, marginal players couldn't hold a starting job, couldn't hold a roster spot. And those guys had a lot of success. It seems like, and um, first of all, Matt Kanata did a great job. It was either last night or this morning outlining like the Dolphins assistant staff through three years. And if you look through like every position group, there's like two guys that have held their job for all three years under Coach Flores. That lack of continuity is problematic because the messaging gets different. The way things are coached gets different. I think I read somewhere the Dolphins with their four offensive line coaches 
uh, under under Brian Flores have had four different sets of terminology and four different ideologies and, and backgrounds. And that for young players, like you're constantly changing techniques as you get young guys into the system and you ask them to do one thing and then you turn around and ask them to do something else. So the coaching point becomes different. It's a lot of swimming in information. You don't really let guys settle into spots. So I don't necessarily think that um, he's not a good coach for young players for his approach to coaching, but I definitely think the staff that he has assembled and the turnover in his staff has created challenges, especially in these highly talented prospects that the Dolphins got their hands on that were hand-selected to be here. And that's problematic, right? When you think about we got all the the UDFAs and street free agents in 2019, and those guys by the end of the year, bang, they latched on. But the guys you spend early draft selections on are having a hard time catching on to coaching. That, from a player development standpoint, is different. And I also think uh, Coach Flores um, likes players that know definitively what their assignments are, and in some cases, you know. I get the impression they don't want to sacrifice a lot of what they do uh, for the sake of inexperience to, to water it down and keep it more simple. And I think that's why, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you're seeing it when they play zone, there's wide open voids in the zone. When they go uh, run fits and the, the opposing side goes motion or unbalanced line, they're not resetting and sliding the front to make sure their gap integrity is set. Uh, so I, I think that's a challenge. Uh, for this team at this point in time. Smash Jackson. Steven Ross calls you and says, I need you to save my franchise. What is the very first thing that you do? Um, this is a tough question. Um, I would probably be transitioning the young players that was just got done being talked about uh, into getting them more playing time. I need to know definitively across the board what I have. Um, I would probably entertain trading Xavier Howard and seeing what I can get. If I can get a two uh, from a playoff contender, uh, knowing Xavier's going to be 30 years old next year, uh, knowing we're going to have to rework his contract, um, knowing the knee issues that he's had, if I'm coming up to the trade deadline, the very first thing that I'm doing is probably exploring how I can maximize my assets going into this offseason. And what I would do with those assets wouldn't necessarily be, hey, I'm going to hoard all these draft picks and, and pick guys. Draft assets have value for getting established players, too. And obviously, that's one of the headlines that we've been dealing with all week long with the rumors of Deshaun Watson and the cost that is going to be associated with that. And that is challenging. And me as a draft guy, I would love to have the picks and I would love to um, have the opportunity to kind of have everything at my disposal uh, as far as building the roster that exists and continuing to add young talent with the draft selections that we have in place, but also identifying some key veterans. If I'm going to trade a two for an offensive tackle I'm going to trade a three for a 32-year-old veteran pass rusher or something like that. Those would be kind of the avenues that I'd be interested in using some of this uh, stockade of, of assets that the Dolphins have built. Doug, question. 
Miami, hot take. Miami won't be good until Ross realizes he doesn't have a football problem. He has a culture and organization problem. You can draft and free agency to death, but it won't work without fixing the culture. Uh, This is applicable to a lot of programs uh, across the NFL. Uh, This is absolutely a true statement that if your culture is not good, you might have a a good year, uh, but your consistency year over year, your variance is going to be very high. Um, I think, look, I, I thought the organizational changes that the Dolphins did make back in 2019 were good in theory and the sales pitch was strong uh but this thing has certainly gone sideways and i think uh, assistant staff and consistency there is problematic building an offensive staff finding the right offensive coach to hand your offense over to if you are a defensive minded coach is challenging and i think the biggest misstep that chris greer's probably had along the way is being too collaborative uh, not being willing to put his foot down at times um, because because Brian Flores does have fair pull in, in these conversations and they talk about being really collaborative and a couple of folks that I've talked to is like, look, Chris Greer's not going to go out and, and draft somebody that his head coach doesn't want or doesn't fit the vision of what his head coach um, needs to to run the team the way he wants to. But if you're constantly saying yes, uh, you're effectively having the GM make all the decisions or the the head coach make all the decisions. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for Chris Greer, that, that if it's materializing the way that we think it is and and how we've seen this thing go sideways, I think in practice, there were things and changes that were made that were positive ones, but in practice, in application over the three year stretch of us, uh, uh, having those changes implemented is, is where we've seen the missteps. Let me see here. Tony pulling at my heartstrings a little bit. Have you started mock drafting for the fins in 2022 yet? Yes, of course I have. Um, I have done a couple of different exercises that I'm interested in sharing with you guys uh, as we get closer to the off season. and, And as we, probably ideally get past the trade deadline so we can figure out what in the hell is going to go on and go down. And if this thing is actually going to go through uh, with Deshaun Watson or not, but I have iterations of the dolphins off season uh, with salary cap draft selections, uh, potential, like I've got a free agent board uh, with guys in tiers uh, players that are expiring contracts. And based on the salary cap that's available, the draft selections that are available, use the draft network with their, uh, mock draft simulator obviously i'm the director of scouting over there so i know that thing pretty well inside and out and, and have a pretty good expectation of what players were projecting to be available in what ranges uh, but i'm making decisions based on the salary cap and collecting the cap numbers of expiring contracts including mike Isecki and emmanuel agua who i have found a way to extend in every single iteration of the off off season that i've done at this point in time uh and then we're picking like one tier one guy, two tier two free agents, three tier three free agents, bringing some new guys in, and then we're doing a draft. And I'm seeing what kind of different styles of roster I can build. And I've done them for Coach Flores is back and two is back. I've done them with Coach Flores is back and Deshaun Watson is here. I've done them with we have a new head coach and two is back. I've done them with a new head coach and Deshaun Watson's here. So there's a lot of different iterations. And like, I don't want to start dumping those in your guys' lap just yet until we have a little bit more clarity 
uh, particularly with the trade deadline. But um, it's been really interesting to see the different iterations. And I know that's a big question that a lot of Dolphins fans have with, oh my goodness, if this team actually does uh, go through with this hypothetical, this rumor mill that's followed this team around for nine months, what is it going to look like? How are you going to be able to build a team? And seeing what some of those rosters look like, um, it's really challenging. It is really challenging. But um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there if we need to. Brock with a question. Who would you trade for before the trade deadline? Who would you trade and why? Uh, So earlier this week, I did who I thought were my probably most likely trade candidates if I were the Dolphins. And it's Devontae Parker, uh, Will Fuller. If they're going to start fading Eric Rowe, who's 29 years old, that might be a player you could get an interesting pick for. And then Xavier Howard. Um, I just don't think with Miami being as young, inexperienced, and ineffective as they've been this year, like asking these two wide receivers to come back and rely on them with how much expense is associated, it's just not going to be for me. And it might be for the team, and it might be for other fans, and that's fine. Uh, But I would not be hitching my wagon to either one of those guys and relying on them. So if I can get a deal for one of Devontae Parker or Will Fuller at the trade deadline, I'd probably take it if it's a reasonable pick. Like, I'm not going to give him away for a seven. But if I can get a four, I'd probably move one. Uh, X, I'd like to get a two from a playoff contender. I don't think you're going to get a one. I I don't, because teams know you're going to have to rework that contract in the offseason. I think the ship has sailed to kind of maximize that return on investment for um, the Dolphins. And and that's kind of stinks, but uh, it is what it is. We're back and better than ever. Over at Bet Online, my favorite place to file uh, some sports betting. Got some college football games on the line this evening. With a new web interface and the start of basketball season, there's more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is the number one spot for all the basketball and football action this fall. Head over to the updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. Ohio John with a question. Are you surprised by this Dolphins lack of physicality? I expected this team to res- uh, reflect Flores' personality. So I was under the impression that this was going to be a team uh, that was built to pass, to set up the run based on their decision-making process in the backfield. But you went out and you got all these 315-pound, 320, 325-pound offensive linemen. And like you, at some point, and I know Coach Flores mentioned it this past week, we got to run the football better. Yeah, you're damn right you do. You, you went out and got a bunch of power hitters on the offensive line. So let's inspect what ways we can unleash that functional power a little bit more. And I've 
been surprised to see the lack of effectiveness there. Uh, there's been some bright spots and, and bright spurts. And, and I'm watching Liam Eikenberg down in the red zone against Jacksonville, and he's crushing a defensive tackle on a double team and climbing to the linebacker. Uh, but you know, Seathan Carter gets called on a, a hold that really wasn't a hold, but he did get his hands outside his frame. And then um, – uh, Durham Smythe getting beat across his face. And I think these tight ends are are kind of troublesome for the run game specifically. And they, I think you've seen them really try to kind of get advantageous angles with that slice or, or split flow backfield motion and uh, get that inside uh, head on the inside shoulder of the defensive end and kick him out of the end man in the line of scrimmage. And it, it's really, you're, you're not really able to control the edges and they're really squeezing and congesting you. Um, so yes, I am surprised, uh, that they don't have more pop and more punch. I do think on the defensive front, uh, they are pretty stout. It's defensive linemen uncovering and declaring too early into gaps. It's a little soft play on the edges when they're running at whether it's Jalen, uh, who's given up his chest a little bit and he's late to disengage, which I expect he'll get better at, uh, or Andrew Van Ginkle, who I'm just not quite sure has the size to hold up in that full-time role. Uh, I think they're a little soft on the edges. Um, and, and then the linebackers are just missing tackles. And that's problematic. And, and Elan and Roberts is missing a, a very concerning amount uh, of tackles for Miami to this point in the season. So, yes, I think you look at uh, the front seven. And um, that, that's, that's where the issues for me lie on the run defense. Uh, but I have been surprised to see it kind of slog away. Let's get a couple iTunes reviews question in here. Um, I see a couple more live questions I would like to tackle. Uh, so make sure you guys keep dropping more comments and more questions that you have and want to get into. Uh, the first iTunes review question of today comes from Big E. I don't know if it's that Big E, but it is on the review. His username is Big E. Kyle, love the show. I think the biggest difference between last year and this is the absence of an offensive coordinator, not co-coordinators, one singular position, one person in charge of the offense, the plays, the game plan. Last year, Coach Flores had Chan to run it so he could focus on the defense and their game plan. This year, he's ping-ponging between the two. Both offensive and defenses have suffered. Coach Flo is a good coach but can't be everywhere at once. Who would you hire, assuming the two OCs are fired? Um. It's tough because you get the impression that they did put a lot out there to try to find um, an upgrade or a different, a more modern offensive coordinator. And I think that's one of the concerns that I have with Coach Flores is it's like I felt they tried and they were unable to uh, secure an OC this offseason, so they just kind of kept it in-house and said, we'll go the continuity route and we'll go collaborative, which is very unorthodox for the way uh, the NFL usually works. I agree. I think Coach Flores has probably spread very thin with his attention to detail and trying to have a hand in everything because he has to. And I certainly think you're seeing uh, the takes-no-talent type stuff is, has really fallen off, and I think that's an even bigger indicator of that. Um, as far as who was available, man, it, it's – I don't, I need to know who's interested in the job. And, and that's kind of the stigma that exists right now is, is this is a tough place to hire for because of all the staff turnover. And, and that's pretty, 
uh, concerning. And I, I don't know how you rehabilitate that perception if that does indeed exist. Uh, Blue Devils, five-star review of the show. If we only get four or five wins this season and our coach and GM get fired, who do you think would be the correct fit for GM and head coach? We're double dipping here. This is a little greedy. I respect the hustle, though. Also, if Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers came out and said they would accept a trade to the Dolphins, would you be in favor of that trade, all assuming the new GM and head coach would want their QB of choice? Yeah, I think, and and that's what makes all of this projection so tough, right, is these Deshaun Watson rumors are are continuing and being persistent. And uh, I would expect if that move happens, then you're certainly going to see them try to run it back in 2022. And the reason why I would expect that is if you were a GM prospect and you were interviewing for a job and they came out and said, hey, we'd love you to run the team, uh, but we burned through 60% of our salary cap space at the trade deadline and traded all of our first and second round picks in the next two drafts. If you're a GM, potential first time GM, you're going to want to hit your wagon to that. You're going to want to walk into that situation. That's a tough hire. Uh, and for that reason, I think if uh, the trade deadline comes and we do see this move materialize, uh, it probably will mean that Chris Greer is back. Uh, along with Brian Flores, at least for the start of 2022. And then you get into the whole lame duck situation that we saw the team go through with Joe Philbin if they start flat. and it, it There's a lot of complications that we may see unfold. Um, I think it is apparent if whether they make a change in the hierarchy uh, or if they make a change or if they don't make a change uh, this team and the heavy power players within this organization, starting all the way up at the very tippy top, want to know that they have resolved the quarterback problem. And it's not fair to Tua Tagovailoa. It's for him to be under this level of scrutiny through 13 games, 12 starts. Um, it's not, you know. And there's plenty of examples of players who have needed time. Um, but if this issue exists, where we're going to have trouble loving the one we're with. Uh, then you're doing both yourself and that player a disservice to continue stringing it out because I don't know that the heart's ever going to be in it in the degree that it's going to need to be. And that's an unfortunate situation for us to find ourselves in, but that's the place my mind goes to as we're sitting here hearing these rumors yet again this week. You got to love the one you're with because that's the way you're really truly going to invest in that player and put what's necessary around him to be successful. And I don't know, starting all the way at the very tippy top, if that is going to be the case with the Miami Dolphins organization. Let's get into the iTunes review here after watching a bunch of you guys drop out because <laughs> we're talking about Watson. I can only assume. Uh, let's see, Dolphin Ray with a review of the show. Hey, Ethan Hawk. I mean, Kyle, I get that a decent amount. Heard Trent Dilfer say, Tua is the best four verticals quarterback coming out of college he's ever seen. If that's the case and they truly want a full evaluation on him, why don't they put him in the shotgun, have him take a three or four step drop and try to hit Waddle down the sidelines? I say shotgun and three and four step drops in particular because the O-line issues, in my humble opinion, if people think Watson can come in here with this offensive line performing the way it has, they're going to quickly realize Tua wasn't the problem. 
because from what I've seen of Watson, he consistently takes more than three seconds to read and react to defenses he faces. You see this with a lot of high impact, uh, splash play quarterbacks. Um, Dak Prescott can be like this at times. Patrick Mahomes is like this at times. Um, their style of play, Russell Wilson's very much like this. Go look at Russell Wilson's sack numbers. Uh, not all sacks are created equal, uh, but their mentality is more big play oriented. And sacks don't have to be a bad thing if you can make the defense pay when you look to create and extend plays. Uh, as far as Tua goes with four verts, I'm sure that was a part of the vision. Um, but I really don't trust uh this offensive line to like if you're going to way spread the field and you're going to go six man blocking surface right with 10 personnel which means you've got uh, one running back in the backfield and you got four wide receivers on the field and you're going to get dime and that threat to run does not exist and those opposing defensive linemen can really truly tee off especially at the tackle spots because you're most shaky at both tackle spots so i'm a little bit more willing to have forgiveness for liam eikenberg uh, because of how they yanked him around this season. Uh, but Jesse at right Davis, uh, Jesse Davis at right tackle. Um, if opposing pass rushers are no, going to know the run threat's not there, we're going to tee off. Well, even in the shotgun with a three-step drop, if it's a three-step drop, they're probably going to play a soft cushion, and they're going to squat on the routes, and they're going to anticipate the ball's going to come out quickly. So they're going to trigger and attack it downhill. Uh, you need to be able to hold the ball and let them threaten and stack those throws. So I think what Miami can do, and they did this a little bit, uh, and, and they've called some vertical stuff. It was more so with Jacoby Brissett. I'm, I'm looking to run a lot of the short stuff, and I'm looking to run the fade from the slot to the field where he is going to continue to bubble to the numbers. Jalen Waddell, they did this against New England. It was the 36-yard completion that everybody was losing their minds over whether or not he underthrew it or not. Um, but I think that recipe, if you're going to get single high safety and they're going to crowd the line of scrimmage, they say, hey, we're going to sit and squat on your short stuff. We don't think you can get vertical over top of us. Pick a spot, pick a landmark. Take your quick drop, drop it over the top, lay down in the space, and put it away from the leverage if they're playing inside. Um, and then that, that becomes the pressure of the receiver to make sure he gets the proper stack on the wide receiver. Why are we talking about Cam Cameron and Leo Clemen, Cleo Lemon in the comment section? Guys, my heart hurts enough as it is. And now John Beck's coming up. I knew I had this for a reason. So I, I, I don't know that they're currently constructed to run four birds uh, with a high level of consistency, but you can take Ray Lucas now. Jeez, Louise. You can take more shots down the field. Um, and, and I would be looking to isolate matchups against a nickel corner or a safety by isolating that slot alignment and, and looking to target that 4-3 speed that Jalen Waddell does have caesar with a question kyle will you create a locked on dolphins discord uh i like to think of myself as fairly technology techno technologically literate i don't 
I can't say I'm on Discord. Um, so if you guys want to explain to me how that works, what the benefits are of doing that, uh, I'm all ears to hear potentially more ways that we can have a community and continue uh, to talk. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and connect. I'm loving it. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. You guys know the drill if you've been listening to Locked On Dolphins. They got a bunch of different delicious flavors to choose from, 100% chocolate on all their bars, meal replacement, midnight snack, lunch, post-workout. They're keto-friendly. You name it. Whatever you want Bill Bar to be, they can be it. So visit BillBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you can save 15% off your next order. That's BillBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Uh, aside of the comment section here on YouTube, completely going awry and astray, listing all the Dolphins' legendary quarterbacks like Chad Henney, who went to high school with Chad, by the way. I was a freshman his senior year in high school, so don't appreciate Chad Henney slander. Dante Culpepper, Gus Farratt, uh, Jay Fiedler. Lots of memories. Not exactly, not exactly good ones. Uh, Chris, here you go. How did Noah look, Igbenogany look, in his start last week after watching the film? There's some situational awareness soft spots for him. It's third and long. Uh, you're playing either, you're playing bail technique, you're playing a deep quarter of the field, and uh, you, you kind of overrun the sticks you're like 20 yards of depth it was like third and 14 or something like that you're to the field and they run a little comeback right at the sticks and uh the pass was dropped so it wasn't a completion that was conceded um but i thought that was an instance where it's like okay you know the technique looks good the transition was okay you just got to be more mindful of where the sticks are and, and be aware that you know they're probably not going to try to run past you on third and 15 play the sticks a little bit more, be a little bit more heady, especially in zone. Keep your eyes back there so you can key when that that the hands break on the ball. Because as soon as those hands break, that's when you're taught to kind of stick your foot in the ground and, and drive and, and attack the route. Uh, the two throws that he gave up to, to Marvin Jones, I mean, that's been his number one pain point going back to training camp was finding the football. I saw a lot of reps back in training camp where he looked really good staying on the body, you guys. Uh, <laughs> And then it comes time to look for the ball and your head comes inside and you get lost and you lose the body and you can't play the hands. So he might be one of those guys who might be more appropriate to teach him to turn into the body and come straight up through. Uh, so that way you can see the hands and play the hands that way and face guard instead of looking to come back to where the ball is coming from on the inside. So generally speaking, I thought he tackled well. I thought he looked athletic. Uh, he played with good energy, uh, so I was about as 
encouraged by knowing Benogany getting some playing time and, and kind of the book on him uh, as I possibly could be. Um, yeah, I thought he played fine. Let's see, Cruz. Did you ever try to play Madden against your buddies with the 1-15 and 15 Dolphins? I... I've gotten kind of turned off to Madden for the fact that I refuse to play with other teams other than the Dolphins. And they're like, they're, they're, they haven't been fun to play with for a while. <laughs> right. Like, I think you got to go back to like 13, 14, whatever that year was where you had B Marsh and Reggie Bush. And like, that was a fun team with to play with, but that was probably the last fun team to play with. So uh, I have played that Madden uh, with the one of 15 Dolphins and, uh, yeah, a lot of bad memories there as well. Uh, Negasis question here. What do you think about a trade sending Devontae Parker for Marlon Mack? I like the thought process, but here's my, my hang-up and my issue with it. I believe, and I don't want to speak out of turn here, so let me make sure I look this up and can speak intelligently on it. Uh, Marlon, yeah, Marlon Mack is an expiring contract. Marlon Mack is on a one-year, $2 million contract. He's RB4, 3 for Indianapolis. Devontae Parker's got several years of contractual control left. If you're going to trade for a guy that you, if you're going to trade Devontae Parker for a guy, a player for player swap, I would want it to be a player who contractually I know is going to be in the building for an extended period of time instead of effect, instead of effectively bringing him in to get a head start on a new free agent negotiation. Um, so I think that that's the hang up for me that Parker, I think is a more valuable asset because a, he's not coming off the injury that Marlon Mack suffered last year. I understand Devonte Parker's hamstrings are problematic from time to time, uh, but that contract control is a big deal. I haven't touched on this too much, but I will touch on it here to close the showdown. Anyone else feeling conflicted about Deshaun Watson? Uh, yes, I'm conflicted from obviously the moral standpoint and what is currently unknown about Deshaun Watson. I'm absolutely conflicted about that potentially being something that Miami is going to tie themselves to, never mind the fact that they've reportedly been entertaining this for an extended period of time. Uh, I'm also conflicted from the football side of things. There's no question Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback right now at this point in time than what Tua Tagovailoa is. Um, Deshaun Watson, from a football standpoint, is probably a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's 25 years old. But at the expense of building this roster, and again, this goes back to what I had talked about with uh, some of the iterations of mo effectively mock off seasons, entire mock off seasons that I've done to this point in time, the potential cost for the rest of the roster uh, is going to make threading the needle. If you make this change, very difficult, uh, very challenging, uh, certainly not impossible, but it's certainly not impossible that Miami, if they were to stay the course, uh, bring in a leadership group that you probably feel like would believe in Tua Tagovailoa and invest around him. And, and just to give you guys an idea, it's like 
if they stayed with Tua Tagovailoa went into this offseason and they happened to sign Ryan Jensen in free agency and sign Tyrell Crosby to potentially be your center and your right tackle, and then you draft a left guard uh, like Ikem Ikwanu from North Carolina State, who's a 320-pound ass kicker who plays left tackle uh, for NC State. I mean, doesn't that offensive line sound pretty good? Uh, but if you make this move, you're not going to have that those resources available to you. You might have the cap to sign one mid-upper tier free agent. Um, so you're not looking at the same overhaul of the problem points that you would have the opportunity to do with the rest of the infrastructure set the way that it is. But again, I go back to, you got to love the one you're with. And I don't get the sense that there are significant power players in Miami that don't love Tua Tagovailoa, and how we got to that point based on when they just drafted him. I don't know how you change your mind and make your mind up that quickly. Um, obviously, the coaching staff gets a chance to work with him on a daily basis, but um, you know, these guys got to be given a chance to grow. Um, but then you also look at some of the player development that we've seen from players that were handpicked to come into and, and make a difference. Uh, and this year, I mean, we, we talked all summer long about, you know, this 2020 rookie class, there's going to be guys that take uh, marginal steps forward. There's going to be guys that take intermediate steps forward and there's guys going to be take big steps forward. And who is who out of that group is going to really determine the success of this team. Well, Austin Jackson regressed didn't take a step forward at all. If Mar if Noah Benogany improved, we'd hardly know because he only played this past weekend because your top two corners you're paying $32 million combined to this year in dress. So all of the players we were hoping were going to take a significant step forward, like it's hard to know. Tua missed three games on, he missed four games, played seven snaps against Buffalo. So we don't know what any of those first round guys really are at this point. Austin's changed positions. Noah can't dress. And Tua missed three quarters of the season thus far because of injuries, because Jesse Davis got his ribs broke. Cruz, I'm down in Delaware, man. You got to hit me up. My guy's saying he's from Philadelphia. Let's take one more from Octavio. Last question of the day, because Thursday night football. Got to go get my fix. If Tua stays, what's worse? A totally new system in OC or staying status quo? For me, it's staying status quo. I don't see favorable outcomes at all. If you've got your co-offensive coordinators back, and Brian Flores is back, and all of this whispering that's, that's been happening I think the worst thing you could try to do is pull the wool over your eyes and everybody else's eyes and pretend that it didn't happen. Say Deshaun Watson rumors never materialize. The worst thing you could do, in my opinion, is run it back and pretend it didn't happen. I think that'd be a disaster. Appreciate you guys tuning in, man. It's a great turnout. Uh, a lot of great comments, a lot of great questions. Uh, iTunes reviews, the live stream. If you're checking out YouTube or you, if you're not checking out YouTube and you're interested, Locked On Dolphins is the channel name on YouTube. Uh, if you're checking out the live stream, please hit like. 
subscribe to the content, to the channel, get the notifications when we go live. We're going to try to do more of them. Uh, been a little hectic around the house and also from a uh, mental health perspective with this team and what we've been enduring. Um, having a little bit more scripted environment is probably best at this point in time, but uh, this off-season evaluate or this in-season evaluation uh, for all parties is continuing. We obviously have the game against Atlanta this weekend. You're going to get a show on Saturday, so plan accordingly. Thank you, guys. Your team every day here on Locked on Dolphins. Keep it locked in on Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great one. I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.